And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek. Thank God for the Royals edition. <laughs> I am always. John, I am John Bonas with TwinsDaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleeman of the Athletic. It is funny to like we've been we both been doing this for twenty. Not this podcast, but covering the twenty, writing about or covering the twins for tw- what twenty one years, twenty two years, two yeah, twenty two right, yeah, years. You're right, twenty two. Yeah, this is our twenty second season yes. of doing that, which. <laughs> Boy, y'all listening to some old ass dudes. Uh, but except for like three seasons, it's been thank God for the Royals, I would say. Except for when they went to back to back World Series, right. which yeah. is crazy to think about. Right. They were they were I'm gonna say this I apologize. They were garbage for like the ten years before that. <laughs> yeah, and they've been garbage for like the what eight years since then or right. more than that yeah. since then. Right. And it's it's a weird we're nine a, and one against them this year. We swept the yeah. first series. I should right? look up the Twins' overall record since, I guess, since Kelly left, which was 01, which <laughs> right. is then yeah. the next year both yeah, of right. us started blogging. Yeah. I, I wonder, like maybe during the Twins' really bad years, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 to or yeah, eleven to 16 or whatever, I'm going to guess they didn't dominate the Royals. But there are a lot of years, especially until this year, they've been playing them, uh, what, 19 times? A, no, uh, they've been, up till this year, they've been playing 18 times, right? 18 19 times. times? 19. Uh, yeah, 19 yeah. Now it's only 13, but <laughs> there were definitely some yeah. years where you'd look back at the end, especially like during some of the Guardy era years too, where you'd look back and they'd beat the White Sox or something in the, in the division by like, I don't know, four games. And you'd look and like the White Sox were 500 against the Royals and the Twins went somehow like right. 25 and one against the Royals, yeah. it seemed like. So, yes, thank God for the Royals. I also, speaking of doing this for a long time, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a sentence here because I haven't been able to say this for uh, twenty years, nineteen years, twenty years. Uh, the Twins have the the best ERA in baseball right now. Like <laughs> right? as I sit here today, yeah. wow. now tonight they play and that can change, obviously. <laughs> but the last time, it's Orioles li- have some power. <laughs> yeah, the Orioles are not the Royals, but um, the it's a little tricky because until two years ago. The National League had the D or the had no DH, and so generally had lower ERAs. Right. And so the odds of an American League team leading the majors in ERA at any point from like 1970 whatever until three years ago was pretty low. Uh, but the last time the Twins led the American League in ERA for a full season was 2004, which was Johan Santana's uh, yeah. breakout first right. Cy Young season. You still had Radke and. Uh, Nathan, obviously, Carlos Silva, Kyle Loesch, I think. Uh, it's just off the top of my head. I might be wrong about one of those. But uh, so that's 20 seasons ago. And I mean, I don't know that I would say they have the best pitching staff in baseball because that's more subjective. But to sit here as of 9.51 a.m. on uh, yep. what is this, July 7th, they're like 90 games into the season, essentially. We're three games from the All-Star break. They not only lead all of the majors in ERA, they lead them in strikeout rate, batting average against, on-base percentage against, slugging percentage against, obviously OPS against. Right. Yep. They lead them in qu- all the majors in quality starts. They lead <laughs> all the majors in innings per start. Uh, yeah. And right. I'm leaving out, you know, FIP and right. expected yes, ERA right. and, yeah. and the nerdier stuff. Right. 
Uh, what? This is great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm just so what are we, shocked. Like Twelve games above five hundred. Then fifteen, twenty. Yeah, that really. Oh yeah, they're way out. They're on pace for uh, a whole eighty-five wins or whatever it is. Uh, obviously that. It's uh, I, but I worry, and we talked about this like early in the season when this was first becoming a storyline. Is I worry that the Twins pitching staff is not going to get enough credit, right. or not won't be perceived as quite as great as they've been, because there have just been so many games where some starter goes six and gives up two or three runs. And because the lineup has scored zero runs or one run or two runs, the start is not even being appreciated as a good, solid, right. you know, B-plus effort. It's instead, oh, uh, well, you know, you look at some of the win-loss records even. Yeah, Pablo Lopez, right. I think, is 5-5. Five and five. Sonny Gray's only got four wins all year. You know, you yeah. look at Bailey Obra, I think it's like four and three or whatever, and you look at that, which people still do look at wins and losses right. uh, for pitchers. And I just think... Well, it's still a 500 team. Yes, it's like a barely <laughs> so, yeah, above the 500 pitch, team. The pitchers are going to have about a 500 record. Right. right yeah, now, I mean, right? it's it's when you have the best ERA in baseball and you're you know, kind of run distribution offensively is like 27th probably right, if you were yeah. to kind of break it down from a WPA standpoint. Yeah, what does that equal? Well, it equals like two games above 500 basically. Right. It's a very strange way to get to two games above 500 yeah. to be the best at something and almost the worst at the other half of baseball. Um, but well, and, I uh, guess you can view it one of two ways, which is the hopeful way, the glass half full way is – well, they got a great pitching staff. They got that in place. If the lineup can get their stuff together at all, or if they can add a piece or two to the lineup, right. you know, three weeks from now at the trade deadline or whatever, uh, or if you know Polanco comes back healthy and Bucks and Crea start hitting, and you know, on and on, you go, well, that's a pretty easy path then to a legitimately good team because right. you have the number one ER, you know, have the number one pitching staff in baseball. The half empty version, of course, is well, you can't count on the number one ERA in baseball for the whole season. Like what happens if the pitching is just good, not unbelievably good right. for the remaining, you know, three months roughly of the season and the lineup just kind of stays the way they are, then you might be in some trouble. So I don't know which one of those versions I believe in. I do I mean I, I don't think the pitching has been I'm gonna be careful how I phrase this so as to not end up on the preposterous statement tourney, but I don't think the the pitching has been a fluke to the extent that I don't look at especially the rotation, and think, yeah, they got the number one ERA, and yeah, they've thrown the most innings per start, but come on, let's get serious. They've pretty consistently no, been right. legit. <clears throat> I mean, listen, of the five guys in the rotation right now, yeah, you certainly have – four of them have earned faith long before right. – Over long multiple before, seasons. Yeah, over multiple seasons sure. at this point, right? Um you know, Maeda is still maybe out there a little bit. I will probably talk a little bit about him yep. and his remarkable bounce back here. Uh, and, you know, I was going to say, if you're wondering whether or not this pitching can continue, well, I mean, I think there's going to be some regression to the mean, as there's always sure. some regression to the mean. And you could argue, well, they don't have the depth that they had at the beginning of the season. Like, it right. could. It wouldn't necessarily be that so and so slides. It could be that oh, somebody's out with tendonitis for you right. know, three, and instead four of weeks. being able to call up Bailey Ober to right. replace Maui or Maeda, now Bailey Ober's already in the rotation. Right. So if someone else goes down, you're calling up, you know, Louis Varlin again right. who struggled at the end, or Dallas Keuchel who's right. trying to make yeah. a comeback, or Brent but, Hedrick. But or I mean, something. that is still not terrible depth. Like, I, I, no, I know, it's just I know, that they've know, used their I, premium depth. They've used their uncommon, unique depth, their maybe. rare depth, and yeah. now they're just normal 
you know, a normal, right. pretty good team that has a couple of starters. They're not super yeah, I'd feel, Listen, I'd feel, listen if, uh, if you'd have told me two months ago that, oh, uh, yeah, but you still got you still got the depth of Louis Varland down there, I'd been like, yeah, great. Yeah, now, the fact that he hit a rough spot. Slid a little bit. He, he slid. Yeah, but, you know, that was, you know, a few starts up here, a few starts down there. You know, maybe he's just working through some stuff. So I don't know. I'm still I still feel pretty good. I still feel pretty good about the depth too. I but I also don't feel particularly strong particularly good about the lineup necessarily. Right. But we got which But that's always probably... gonna be the case when you try to like pause midstream, like we are right now, there's no reason to think that the pitching staff is going to be worse or that the lineup is better when right. you're in the moment of sure. it. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's true. But as you said, like the odds of, let's put it this way, <laughs> their current ERA as a team is like, I think like 355 or something like that. Certainly if you were just a betting robot, you would bet on that being higher than 355 sure. from this point forward and or at the end of the season, let's say. Right. And whatever their OPS is, I don't know, 700, whatever right. it is, you would bet on the opposite. You would bet yeah. on it, that also being better. But it's just hard to pause midstream and be like, the but pitching's uh, going to be worse, the hitting's going to be better. But I will, like, I will oh, say, yeah, where's that been for three months? I will say this, though. Like in June, with the, with the lineup, yeah, or May, when they were struggling, I was more of a, yeah, but you know they've got this, 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 and the, these. They've still got some cards left to sure. play here. I'm not sure they have as many cards left to play well, as I thought. The that cards they had. themselves aren't looking as, they, yeah, as good those, necessarily. Some of those cards have been dealt, yeah, I mean, and they, we did not receive the <laughs> the idea of just wait until this guy gets healthy. Not kind. <laughs> yeah, look at you with the po- John. That's the first time John made the stretch poker analogy. I was uh, I had ten thousand of them myself, and John finally made one. Now we'll, we'll change the scoreboard for that poker analogy. Gleeman ten thousand bonus one. Um, yeah, uh, you know sometimes you. You're sitting there and you got uh, pocket kings, right. and then you you know look away and you look back at your cards and all of a sudden it's a ten five and you go that wasn't right. the cards I thought yeah. I had. How's that work? I mean the idea of well just wait until Jorge Polanco gets back. Yeah, that might not be for a month. And also, right. what are we counting on from him at yes. this point? Right. Or you know there, there's other. I mean Buxton Correa. Just wait until that's like yes. oh yeah, just wait until my brother shows up. And it's like then he shows up, and it's like this guy doesn't look that tough anymore. All which, of a sudden, uh, which uh, brings us to sort of the other big topic that's happened. Now this yeah. happened a little over a week ago, which was uh, the Twins are tired of waiting. They have uh, yeah. they had these team only meetings, and they're taking over the hitting meetings. Yes. And they which are, we we talked. We're going to talk some about that now um, because it's been two weeks since we did yeah, a, yeah, a free show because yeah. John abandoned you guys in your time of need. <laughs> but we also, I should note, did about. A half hour or more, probably. Oh, probably forty-five. Breaking minutes. down the players-only meeting, yeah. the closed-door clubhouse, the hitters' meeting being taken over by the hitters, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff with Dan Hayes. Yeah, with special guest Dan Hayes, who was right. there in Atlanta for the that whole thing. And obviously, I would call the most plugged-in uh, Twins media member in the world. Let's yeah. call him that. <laughs> okay. Among yeah. other That's names, right. I did right. call him uh, right. privately. Yeah. And pa- Disco Danny. <laughs> uh, hey, you schmuck. <laughs> but yeah. yes, the most plugged in Twins reporter in the world. And I thought he had a lot of good, I would even call them juicy tidbits uh, from some of the behind the scenes stuff. So if you want like a full breakdown of that. Yeah, who was there for that. And then he was there for the three days after that in Baltimore right. where, you know, he was trying to find out what exactly happened. And also, yeah. I just, he is the person for whom the most members of the Twins organization are likely to talk to, <laughs> yeah, just in general, on and off the record. Yeah, um, 
What, I, here's a question I have after that. We just talked about, uh, I said something about brother coming to fight for you. Yeah. Which you or, you or Jeff, who was the, oh, my brother's got my back or neither? You know what I mean? Like, oh. I wait, think, what's the I th- age difference? I think three years. Okay. <clears throat> so I think I would have had to have his back for yeah, most that of the rough time. For him. I was the older one. That's rough for him. I've you seen know. some pictures of you in high school, John. You didn't have I anyone's didn't have back. Have Jeff's back. You much. barely had a back. Jeff, no, that's you looked true. like you're, just you're a beam correct. pole. You are correct. Yeah. Jeff didn't look, look that much no. different. To so me, that's I what I'm said, wondering. Yeah. I had no brother, so <laughs> I'm always curious about that. Yeah, Jeff would not have. Uh, I mean, Jeff never had any issues like that. Because once in a while, I remember like in junior Everybody high, Jeff. you'd be you'd be have some beef with some kid, and he would say like, "Well, my brother's going to show up later," and you'd think. I could go either way. I could be about <laughs> to get my butt whooped, or right. maybe I got two of these guys I got to pick on. Right, yeah, so yeah. I picture you and you and Jeff. Uh, I need to find a double locker. I was so. definitely the uh, prototypical older brother. Okay. Um, <laughs> back to the twins. This is the beauty of having your own podcast. Exactly Something right. just strikes that's me it. as interesting. Right. Uh, so we talked. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to kind of. Uh, set this up without rehashing everything that we went into with Dan. Cause I do think, you know, if you're into this as a topic, you will definitely enjoy the Patreon podcast we did on Wednesday, two days yeah, ago Wednesday, with Dan, yeah. uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O and Patreon.com slash Gleeman. A couple of the things I think from that, that I thought were interesting that we kind of talked about and unpacked a little bit with him was, you know, I think probably anybody who's interested read about or heard the quotes from Baldelli uh, and some of the details, you know, yeah. they, they got swept in Atlanta. They closed the clubhouse to the media. Uh, they did a players-only meeting in the closed clubhouse. Baldelli talked to the media in a side room and went off, you know, more than he really ever has, other than when he was mad at that umpire <laughs> right, in yes. the Toronto game where they kicked him out. <laughs> yeah, he went off a, there, that too. Was one, yeah. uh, that was a good one. He dropped the F-bomb and walked out of the room. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. Um, but he talked at length, uh, and he, he said a lot of the things that uh, I would say Twins Twitter or this podcast or just the random person in, sitting in Section 320 or whatever yeah. at the ballpark have been saying, which is this can't continue. This can't – You we, we're past the point of, similar to what we just said a minute ago, past the point of saying, well, yeah, just wait, just wait, just wait. Wait until this guy comes back. Wait until this guy gets back on track. And he specifically has started, I would say, going back a few weeks, but it really came to a head here talking about the approach and the execution and the game planning and just sort of their ability to adjust mid-game even. And he seemed to be talking both sort of to people above him and to people below him in the hierarchy, yes. both, to, both to his his own bosses but also to I, mean, I, 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 would, I would even say he's just trying to say he's talking to the whole organization. Like I mean, as a whole, we have I to mean, make some changes. There were parts of it right. that you could pull out and say, you know, when he's saying changes need to happen, you know, kind of – he didn't say this, but I thought some of it came across as my hands are tied regarding some of this stuff because I don't make the roster. Right. I only I get handed 13 hitters every day, and I pick nine of them to, to be in the lineup, and I get to put the order that they're in. That's yeah, what he gets to right. do. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was, well, you know, I don't get to pick who 11, 12, and 13 on this roster are. And, so also, that's, I don't, and I also don't get to control which of those 13 actually pays attention and does what well, they right. to so, do on that. Right. With the roster and those sort of changes, which are the kind of actionable things that a fan or, or, or you know, a podcaster right. can be like, why don't they drop this guy and call up this guy? Whatever it is. We've done a million of those this year. I thought part of his, I don't want to say rant, but just lengthy uh, answers in the after the Atlanta sweep were kind of addressed to the front office in that regard. I think to your point, 
part of it, it seemed very easy to say, this is to the hitting coaches and the, the advanced scouts and the behind-the-scenes guys, the guys who come up with the game plan, the right. guys who prior to a week ago lead the hitting meetings right. with the players, the guys who are trying to get the information and get it to the players. And I think there was frustration there either with, A, the information itself, although he's been pretty careful to always – say that the information itself is quality, right. that the game plan has merit, that it's logical. But clearly there's a disconnect or there's an over-reliance on some aspects of it. So I thought he but was Somehow kind of, that information is not being implanted right. in, the, in the players, whether that that is how it is being presented or whether or not the players are really soaking it in or yes. whether or not they are taking responsibility for the information that they're presented and distilling it themselves or whatever. Right. right, and this was a common thing at the end of the Molitor managing era on the pitching side. Which guys like Ryan Presley and all that were like, it was early in this regime's front office tenure and they had ideas about pitching, but they felt like the information that they were providing to the coaching staff and Molitor were being stopped there. Like there was no middleman to convey that information to the pitchers themselves. You know, you had Eddie Guardado as the bullpen coach and Molitor, an old school manager, and and that sort of thing. So now we've kind of come full circle with that. And then lastly, is a lot of it, and probably most of most of it, maybe you could just easily take as him talking indirectly to the players, and essentially saying, "You guys got to start to hit." Like right, there right, has right. to be some level, and that's something we've talked about quite right. a bit. Which is, I think, on some, and there's plenty of blame to go around, but I do think, and I've said this a million times on the show, that there it's almost becomes to me a a cop out or providing cover for the uh, organizationally or a bigger picture to just say fire Rocco, fire Popkins, whatever. And I'm not saying there isn't something to be debated about moves like that. But what I'm saying is I don't think that's going to fix the 13 guys who are responsible for putting up runs on this team. You know what I mean? Like now, could it help? Sure. And that's why it's worth discussing. The interesting thing about that is if you've got two or three players that are really underperforming, well, then it's each of those players' fault that they're underperforming. Right. You've got 13 players that are underperforming. (laughs) Nobody looks at the 13 players. There's got to be something going well, on. You can't right? fire 13 guys. You well, can't but, fire the I whole mean, team. A, you can't. A, A, there's no other way to make that change, right? You can't fire 13 right. guys. But B, also, you just kind of go like, and there's... Yeah, there's I, something I, systematically or systemically you, wrong. You assume that there's something wrong right. systematically about that, and maybe that's true. Um, there is also, you know, to some extent, if you're one of those 13 underperforming players, there's a comfort there. There's a comfort in, uh, yeah, but I'm not hitting, right. but but it's, uh, listen, if I'm one of the two guys who's underperforming, all eyes are on right. me. But if there's 12 well, of us. Well, if there's 12 of us underperforming, eh, yeah, we're probably okay. Right. I'm still doing okay compared they, to the other 11 schmoes. They'll shoot, they'll shoot him first. I'll, I get a chance <laughs> to run. Him. There is something about That's that. The, and, uh, and, and to some extent, I, I got the impression that the rant was sort of like, we we got to shake ourselves out right. of this. Everyone needs to individually look right. in the mirror. And to the and the, when you have a players on melee and the players, they seem come to up, recognize come, that. Too. Come come up with, we're going to start leading the hitting music and 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 that you know we I think we talked I don't know if this was on the Patreon or the free podcast a couple of weeks ago. We talked a little bit about how you know when you have you know the team leaders are struggling just as much as the rookies and maybe even more right. than the rookies. You know, it's hard for them to stand up and say, "Hey, we all got to do this." And they 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 look at you and go, "Yeah, you first. Right. It's hard right? for Correa 
when right. he's having his worst season. It's hard for even a leader type of right. you know, personality like uh, Kyle Farmer, let's say. Sure. He's got a 640 OPS or right. whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, that's fine. But, right. you know, that's. But but on the other hand, you know, if you're in a, if you're, that that's one way that ma- that makes it difficult. The way you can overcome that is, you know, hopefully the way they're kind of doing it, which is like, we're all in this together. We all stink. Right. Let's figure out a way that we don't all stink. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's get, let's get this. This is what I say to my cats out. in the morning when I decide not to take a shower. I say, look, I she's going to gonna wake up in a minute. We're all in this together. We all stink. Let's try and get away. Um, since the closed door meeting and since the then two days later in Baltimore, uh, the hitters took over the hitters meeting. Okay. And, and I had it tried to kind of go through the, the information and the data and the game plans on their own. Right. Uh, kind of peer to peer instead of more of like a, a lecture hall situation. Yeah. Um, here's their run totals. They've played six games. <laughs> yes, yes. Eight. Yeah. One. 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 <laughs> eight. Nine. Five. Uh, and even one of them against KC. They, I mean, they took a little breakthrough at eight, the end. Eight, nine, of the and game. five were KC. Yeah. And also <laughs> took right. some late ending stuff there. But the, on one hand, they're five and one. Right. Since this yeah, whole right. thing. Yeah, right. And that is the effect that you want anytime you have a closed door meeting and you shake things up yes. and your manager goes on TV and Correct. rants about it. Right. On the other hand, they're five and one mostly because the pitching staff has like an 085 ERA during that <laughs> right. time. That's true. And so true. it's funny to be like, if you would have told me, you know, the night of the third Atlanta loss when all this kind of came to a head and the frustration right. really boiled over. Hey, in the six games after this, they're going to go five and one. I think, oh man, the bats must have just broke through, and God, that must have just been a weight off for everyone's shoulder. And it's like, nope, actually, the really, really good pitching staff is going to like be even, <laughs> even really, better. really yeah. uh, even gooder. Yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, absolutely right. And yeah, their their pregame and postgame meetings are uh, are the same. It is yeah. also funny to have a closed door meeting and players only meeting, and people are standing up and blah blah blah. You got to have some of those pitchers just sitting there at their locker going. Well, what do you want me to do? I got 270 ERA. I've been <laughs> right. great. I'm going to make the all-star team. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Um, before we get into a few other things, and then we're also going to talk about, A, one of their best hitters, Royce Lewis, is now out for six weeks plus probably right now uh, with Jose Miranda coming back. Uh, and then we got a few other, got to talk about Pablo Lopez's shutout here yeah. and some other stuff. But before we do that, let's talk about our first uh, our first sponsors here. Longtime sponsor, which is Soda Stick. Uh, we always talk about how they they're doing kind of small batch creative shirt designs. Yeah, right. They've got a, they've all kinds of new stuff going on out there. When something yeah. happens with the Twins or another Minnesota sports team, they jump on it quick. Right. They do a good quality shirt with a good looking design, often a very clever creative design. And when it sells out, it sells out because yeah. they're not producing millions of these. I'll give you an example. The new last like a couple weeks ago, I think we talked about the. Uh, Buck Yeah Trucker Company T-shirt, right? right. The Buxton type T-shirt. Yeah. That one sold out immediately. Yes. Almost. I think there might be a couple left on there, and maybe some odd sizes, so you can go but look yeah, at they that. They have a new uh, Town Ball, uh, Town Ball Tour collaboration T-shirt that you can get. Uh, they have also just like there's also hats and other stuff besides shirts. They've got another. But the shirts one. are the draw for me always. Yeah, they've got a new one coming out, uh, pin, Minnesota Pinstripe uh, thing, that design that's coming out pretty soon. I don't think that's available yet, but you might be able to sign up for it on this. Anyway, I don't know. good guys, right. Minnesota made, good shirts, good designs, creative stuff, small batches. You'll absolutely fine. So, uh, uh, 
you'll absolutely find something for you know anybody in your life that is a yes. sports fan. Perfect that gift giving yes, for sure. uh, opportunity. Yep. It's Soda Stick, like Minnesota Soda Stick or just Google Soda Stick, and then when you go to checkout, you put the promo code Gleeman in, and you'll get fifteen percent off your entire order. I think I might be buying a pair of Raycon headphones. Uh, Recon earbuds here. Yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I have a code you can use. Well, I'll reveal that shortly because <laughs> the ones I had are Chrissy's now, you know. Yeah. But now I've got. Here's the thing: I edit these podcasts on the PC, and I've got like a a a, a wire that runs down to the the server that I've got, and yeah. and I wear these crummy little headphones on there or something. And I keep like kicking the wire and such. Like I should not be wearing. Wire, wired headphones. Nobody should be ever be wearing wired headphones. You're like headphones that anymore. infomercial where the guy has all this uh, car cleaning equipment and he just like falls <laughs> over right. and he this, drops this all is, this. Is, yeah, this is the black and white scenes of the infomercial. Yeah. It's me you around my You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly right. So, but Raycon yeah, makes it easy. Uh, wireless earbuds. Uh, and the beauty of Raycon is the, the product quality is yeah. every bit as good and, and often better yes. than maybe some more expensive products. Super well-engineered stuff. Yes. We both used it. Uh, our significant others have both stolen our Raycons <laughs> uh, to use, which is any the sign of a true good product exactly. when a wife uh, steals yeah. it, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Um, and if you want some Raycon earbuds to use, you know, they long-lasting charge, right. very easy for even doofuses like me to and, hook them up to Bluetooth. start at like half the price right. of the regular stuff. And... You can get our listeners can get fifteen percent uh, off their Raycon order if you go to buy Raycon buy like B U Y buy Raycon Raycon R A Y C O N buy Raycon dot com slash Gleeman that's buy Raycon dot com slash Gleeman to save fifteen percent on Raycons buy Raycon dot com slash Gleeman. All right. Um, I don't know on the hitting side. The hitting meeting thing, let me just make sure I didn't have a note or two that I definitely wanted to get to. I mean, I think we got the gist of it. Obviously, if people want kind of the nuts and bolts behind it, and we debated some of the kind of what will be the effect or what even are they. Or, or even the focus. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Uh, because my point uh, that I th- think is worth making is there's two ways to kind of look at the idea of hitting approach. One is like kind of what happens as you're swinging which is, oh, they shouldn't always just be looking for all or nothing home runs. They shouldn't be trying to pull everything in the air. That leads to strikeouts. That leads to pop-ups. That leads to just you know long stretches of nothing. Why don't they try to spray the ball around to the whole field and shoot the ball to right field, which we've seen a little bit more of? And I think that's all valid. But I honestly think, and this is just an opinion, that the true crux of this issue is what happens before the swing is taking place. Mm. Uh, it's the the game plan itself. It's going up to the plate and what you're expecting to see from the pitcher based on their tendencies and based on the season that they've had and based how they've pitched you in the past and all that and choosing which pitches to attack, which types of pitches, which counts to attack, how aggressive to be first pitch, second pitch, how to, aggressive to be with two strikes. Do you try to shorten up with two strikes? Right. Do you, and so I think those are two things that often just get kind of blended together in the big bucket of hitting approach, let's say. But I do think those are two very different things and they require kind of different uh, paths to change, which is, you know, when they're talking about the hitters meeting being taken over by the hitters, 
I know I, I very much suspect they're not, you know, sitting there going, all right, what should we do today? Well, let's try to shoot the ball to right field. They're saying, here's the scouting reports we got on the pitcher we're about to face, yeah. on the relievers we're likely to face. What? How do we want to kind of the plan of attack versus literally when I'm swinging, what am I trying to sure. accomplish with my swing? And I think those aren't completely separate, obviously. One leads into the other, and one without the other doesn't really accomplish anything, you know, if they're not, if one's horrible, you're not going to have good results with the other. But I do think the just shoot the ball to right field. If you're a right-handed hitter, or you know, if you're Kepler, use the out. Right. That's much more <coughs> simplistic, more right. like I don't know, uh, you know, game to game, at bat to at bat. Whereas, really, the big picture issue here is more about when you're stepping to the plate. What is in your mind? that you're trying to actually accomplish. What is your approach to this at bat, not so much to your swing, I guess is how I would differentiate that. I mean, they're working on both, obviously. I don't mean to imply that like one is is not hand-in-hand hand with the other, but I just think, you know, you watch a game, they score eight runs against the Royals, and you go, oh, Correa shot a couple balls to right center, and uh, Vasquez blooped the ball over the second baby, and you go, well, it's all fixed. And it's like... No, because that's the result, not so much the process to get to that result. And I think the process is probably much trickier to change yeah. midseason um, because, you know, it's – I don't know. It's it's kind of what the organizationally – what the goal is for an at-bat. Right. It's like we're trying to get into hitters' counts. We're trying to then – pounce on mistakes that are being made by pitchers. We're trying to game plan such that we're scouting them and we know specifically when they do get behind in the count, what do they turn to and where do they throw it so that we can really take advantage of that. And sometimes that works and you score 27 runs in back-to-back -back games against the Cubs or whatever, but sometimes it doesn't work and you're just like, well, why can't they bloop a few balls to right field and, and get the runners moving a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be interested in kind of trying to pay that much closer of an attention to to their at bats to see if that feels like it. To me, it. I know all of this is you know, is from the outside looking into an incredible amount, right? So sure, you know, what, what it is or what is really happening is hard for me to say. You know, to some extent, I think there is. I, I would say the two things that encouraged me about it is, it felt like they had fallen into a very passive approach, and this feels like a right. little bit more aggressive of an approach. And it also felt to me like. They weren't taking ownership of the at bats as much, right? That the that they're getting there like oh, the pitcher's not doing what we thought he was going to do. Right? Uh, I I don't know what we do now. Well, now now they're leading the hitter meeting. I hope you know that 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 takes enough ownership such that maybe there's a little more talk going on in the dugout or what that there's some adjustments being made that. This is not – we aren't sitting back and waiting for the pitching – the hitting coach to fix us, <laughs> right? We got to go in there and fix, fix well, right. this ourselves. I mean, how many, how many right? at-bats in a given game or a series or a week or whatever are you willing to come back to the dugout after making an out and say, they didn't really do what we thought they were going to do in that? Yeah, like how right, many consecutive right. times are you willing to do that before you either say – You start making some adjustments. Right. right. That's basically. right. And, I mean, I will say of the – you know, you, you went you – went, through the the run total, which was nice, yeah, uh, but it's know, a very twin twenty twenty three twins esque distribution of it runs, is, it is which is very eights high. and nines right. and ones, yes, and uh, you know versus eights and nines versus you know some bad pitchers and some ones versus. Sure. I mean, right. also 
the one one of those ones was versus a lefty. And then the very next game where yeah. they did get eight runs, they got all of those runs late in the game. They right. didn't get any versus the lefty. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, that, that in particular to me is a frustrating aspect of that feels, again, like they're not making adjustments or not not owning the problem is when they actually get to the point where they're starting to knock lefties around when you've got a lineup full of right-handed hitters i'm gonna feel a lot better about it because the lefties are facing i mean royals guys pretty good but the orioles guys very mediocre lefty that gave that gave a one run on on uh, i really hope cole Irvin is not listening to this i'm sorry cole (laughs) he's a good quality guy he's close with my family for years just joking um i agree uh let's uh, no shame to be a mediocre major league baseball pitcher (laughs) That's no, <laughs> we we are under the assumption there's no shame in being a mediocre <laughs> baseball podcaster, and that's debatable exactly probably. Right. So, um, speaking of pitching, I don't know. Yeah, Pablo Lopez. Let's talk a little bit about him. Uh, it took 1,909 days, over five years, for a Twins pitcher to throw a shutout, a nine inning right. shutout, a nine inning shutout. Um, Jose Barrios in April of 2018 did it. And then it didn't happen for almost 2,000 days until Joe Ryan did it. Um, and then 13 days later, yeah. Pablo Lopez That's did it. Funny. And if, like, we can talk, obviously, saying the Twins have the best ERA in the major leagues is the most definitive way to say things are different with the pitching staff. Right. But that stat is pretty different, too, which is you go five years without doing something, and you do it twice in the span of two weeks. Right. And I asked uh, Lo- Pablo Lopez post game, I said, man, this. Puts a little pressure on like Sonny, Bailey, <laughs> Kenta, right? Yeah, and right. he thought, yeah, well, good. They got every <laughs> chance to do it. Let's keep it rolling. And he did mention, which we've heard from a lot of the starting pitchers, even last year, the kind of friendly competition aspect of this rotation right. where they do view it as more of like an NFL style quarterback room <laughs> sure. or linebackers room or something. They view it as like a unit more so than just five well, starters. That's definitely sunny, something that yeah, Sonny Gray leans into. A veteran thing. And I think Pablo Lopez coming over leaned into that also this year. Uh, and, you know, they've talked jokingly about it. I mean, Joe Ryan, uh, when he went nine innings, one of his answers afterward was, Man, Sonny's going to be so worked up about this that I'm the first one to go nine innings. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good aspect of it yeah. when it remains friendly, which it very much is with this yes, group right. as far as I can tell. Yes. And, you know, I don't know that I'd bet on another shutout being thrown this year, but it at least is now a possibility that exists in the Twins universe. Or just Whereas a complete it, game. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 they I went five I, years without a complete game. I, I, almost I, mean, went, I almost wondered the night before if we'd see Maeda come out in the eighth and ninth inning. Yeah, they could have pushed him yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they could have pushed him I mean, a little bit. Under different circumstances right. if he wasn't coming back from, right. from injuries and all that. But, yeah, I mean, they, they lead the majors in innings per start. And I know there is a certain segment of the fan base that will just never – sort of uh, let that information get into their brain or, you know, (laughs) and so we keep repeating it over and over and, you know, they've dropped to third at times this year, but they're back up at number one because guys keep completing games, obviously. Uh, And it's, it's remarkable to watch. And I do think right now, you know, over these last couple of weeks and going forward for the next several weeks, that's even more important than ever. That's always important to get six or seven strong from your starter. Has been important for forever. Oh, yeah, but, but right especially now, especially when yeah, the right. bullpen is oh just God. taped together with you know 
uh, I don't even know. You got Jordan Balazovic, like the right. seventh inning reliever right now. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you know, you're right. hoping that Jorge Lopez comes back from his IL stint for mental health and can step back in. You're hoping, I mean, Emilio Pagan can't even be a low leverage guy right now because they just need him to get outs. Right. You got Oliver Ortega's trying to get outs. And then let alone, you know, month and a half ago, people had questions about Griffin Jacks. Well, now there can't be any questions about Griffin Jacks. He's got to pitch the eighth <laughs> inning. inning. Right. Yeah. That's right. And they were about to use him for the third time in four games. Uh, until they scored some runs late and they backed yeah, off. They are at a point where if they if your starter doesn't go seven right. innings, it gets tricky. It, it gets, yeah, it gets very hairy in those six, six seventh that's innings. That's right. Yeah, because I mean we saw it. They tried to patch it together um, <laughs> in Baltimore. The game they won yeah, actually, yeah. it was one no, nothing. The game they lost, they they also did it too. Well, they tried <laughs> to get Balazovic and Hedrick through right an in, in inning plus right. yes, basically. Right. And Hedrick yeah, right. gave up a run right, which yeah. He's going to give right. up some runs. <laughs> um, yeah, they just don't. You know, whenever a bullpen, it's like a it's like a Jenga castle or whatever those call. <laughs> you remove a piece and you hope that it, the whole thing doesn't collapse. Right. Yeah. And you can remove a piece or two from it, but like Brock Stewart had taken on such right. an outsized role or such an important role, and had been so flawless basically for right. a month. That, yeah, you remove that and you say, well, let's just move everybody else's spot. But you're also already out without Caleb Thielbar. Right. Yeah. Jorge Alcala hasn't been in the mix all season. I mean, you're out multiple guys who were going right. to be high leverage. And unfortunately, there weren't kind of prospects waiting in the wings like Bailey Ober, let's say, or right. Varland yes. in the rotation. Right. I mean, Brock Stewart was waiting in the wings as a minor league 30-year-old, 30-something <laughs> yeah, right. signing. But there aren't – so now you're seeing Balzavic and – um Rocco Baldelli said a few days ago, like, you know, we called up Jordan Balazovic just to provide some bulk innings in the bullpen as a long reliever, mop up, you know, just to be a fresh arm for a few days. And he looked pretty good the first couple <laughs> right, times yeah, we yeah. used him. And now relievers are just dropping like flies. And he said, basically, usage wise, we're going to scale him back to one inning, maybe two innings sometimes, because we need him to pitch in a medium leverage role not a long relief or mop-up role and that's and you can't be having guys with medium leverage or high leverage innings go multiple innings because then they're not available right. the next then day they're not available much. and then right. you got all of Ortega's pitching well, I mean or, I mean we saw it this week with Duran right. right I mean that that Sunday game the one loss they've had in this week this last week was them got they got through six innings with was it Gray? It was Sunny Gray, right? Yeah. He had trouble going. In five, Atlanta. Six, it, 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 no, in Baltimore. Enough. Yeah, at Baltimore. Atlanta. At Baltimore, right. Yeah. Uh, had tr- he's, oddly enough, has had trouble going past the sixth inning yeah, so, so far, I, right? I've <laughs> been saying for, for a year and a half that having interviewed Sonny Gray after every one of his target field starts, right. I've never heard him say, I agree with when I was taken out. Right. I've never heard him say that. It wasn't in Baltimore, but he said, uh, <laughs> man, I was gassed. Yeah. It was hot. Six innings was enough. And so they're faced with three innings to try and hold a 1-0 lead, right? right? And they come with it at Jacks at seven, Duran at eight, and we're all thinking, I think they were thinking, well, I think what Baldelli's hoping here is to get two innings from Duran. Well, instead, Duran runs into the was. eighth inning. Right. He still ends up throwing thirty innings, thirty pitches, so he can't actually finish the uh, finish the game, right? And then he's or, or not available, you know, for the first couple of games of the Kansas City series. And you know, fortunately, uh, they had enough awesome pitching performances versus the Royals that they right. gave almost everybody a. I, I right. mean, well, they got a complete rest on Wednesday. They and have Thursday on an off day. They've got three days to play, and now they got a four day four day break. It is like, amazing how. Whew, 
Like, <laughs> I, I, it is amazing how smart a manager can look when they get seven, let alone <laughs> yeah. nine good innings right. from a starting pitcher. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. it is amazing the sort of decision tree yes. that a manager has to go through during a game, how simplified and just straightforward it can get when it's it's not how do we get through these six outs until we hand it to Jax and Duran. It's just, well, now it's just Jax and Duran, or even better. Well, just tell the bullpen not to even answer the phone if it rings. Right. Like he's just got it under control. So that was huge from from Pablo Lopez. Obviously, I mean the rotation just in general continues to be fantastic. I feel like with Lopez, we've talked going back a month or so that he hasn't been as sharp, but that his underlying metrics suggested that he was getting unlucky. Not in the sense, I mean, a little bit in this sense, but not in the sense that oh, every ball's blooping in for a hit. I mean, right. there's some of that, but. More in the sense that he's giving up six hits in six innings, and five of them are in, in the fifth inning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so they right. cluster together, whereas if they were dis- distributed kind of evenly, you probably allow one run. Right. When they're distributed together... I mean, similar to the, kind of, similar to the complaints we used to have about Jose Barrios on a regular yes, basis. Yes, although I feel like his were tiring... Where I didn't, I don't get that sense from Lopez. With Lopez, it happens in the first and second. Well, inning. right, and uh, yeah, often even if it's the fourth or fifth inning, he'll often right. stay in the game and then look yes. better than ever yes. to, right. to finish an outing. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Whereas I think with Brios, it was like, yeah, fifth inning, you're going to let him face the top of the lineup again for a third time, and oh, now they got back to back doubles off him or whatever. Yes. It's um, there's some of that, but so now as of today, the ERA is high threes, where it should probably be low right. threes, yeah. but he's you know allowed one run in his last 15 innings in terms of some other metrics that you would want to look at in terms you know what's predictive more so than just an era uh here's his ranking among american league starting pitchers right now jorge Lo- or keep doing that pablo lopez, pablo lopez yeah. number two in innings number two in strikeouts number three in expected era number four in innings per start number five in xfip Number six in batting average against, number seven in OPS against, quality starts, and strikeout-to-walk ratio. Those are probably, I don't know, 10 of the 12 metrics that I would ever look at probably before ERA, if I'm being honest, to evaluate a starting pitcher. And he's like top five in some and top 10 in all. Uh, That's a top 10 starting pitcher. Now, I know some people aren't as willing to just say his ERA doesn't matter and eventually that will even out and that's fine, but he's got a 385 ERA, which is plenty good on its own. And so I I think you're never going to get away from that trade being something that stings as long as Luis Arise is hitting 390, which he continues to do. (laughs) But... You know, Pablo Lopez can't control that. And he gets asked about – he was asked about that after the complete game. (laughs) Like, do you feel extra motivation to try to, you know, make that trade look good? And he said, look, uh, I'm friends with Luis Arias now. We played for uh, Venezuela together. Uh, I love what he's doing in Miami because I love Miami. I spent (laughs) the last five years in Miami. He's a cult hero in Miami and he deserves it. I can't do anything about that. And Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going to root for him to play poorly so that I look better. But if you can separate that – Pablo Lopez has been everything the Twins could have possibly wanted. And, by right. the way, they've he's 27 years old, and they've signed him now to an extension that takes him through 2027. That's right. also a victory given how good he's looked. Now, they got to keep him healthy and everything. Right. But he appears to certainly right now be a top, I don't know, dozen starter uh, in the American League. You can debate if that's a number one starter or whatever. But he's been excellent. And you know, similar to the offense being terrible, kind of overshadowing the pitching being great and keeping them from getting enough credit, I worry that 
people looking at box scores and seeing Luisa Rice go three for five every night in Miami um, is going to make them sort of I'm, I'm not going to say dislike Pablo Lopez, but not <laughs> right, have their yes, full right, hearts yes, and right. minds open to Pablo. Listen, Lopez. It was it was upsetting to lose a rise in the first place. Right. Uh, so you're, guys you're, you already made up your mind at that point, right? Yeah. There's no room to be like that. Was a great trade for the I Twins. Mean, listen, the Miami Marlins. One of the things they they've done pretty well in general is developed good starting pitchers. And you could take okay, like Alcantara and Lazardo, both of which the, right. which the Twins saw. You could still make a pretty good case that Pablo Lopez would be the best pitcher on the Marlins staff this year, this too, year, yeah. had they not traded him. Yeah. I, so he's he's been legitimately great. I think he's been good by like traditional metrics, you know, numbers, yes, right. and great by advanced metrics. And I just. Well, and I think this also plays a little bit into the sort of the thing we talked about earlier, which is because they're not hitting, right. you don't get as. You don't get the praise right. around a lot of these members uh, of this pitching staff. Some of the, when we I, talk especially about, when you look forward to like the postseason, people are like, ah, do we really have three guys? That, yeah, you've got three good guys right. who started a playoff sure. series right now. You don't, you might not have the hitting to support those three right. guys, but you've got three guys who you can count on to go out there well, and give you years, a decent chance of giving up like three runs or less. Well, and a lot of when we talk about like uh, Lopez's damage kind of clustering together, what that's led to over the last month, the previous month or so, has been, you know, Six innings, three runs, or six innings, four runs. And unfortunately, when the lineup scores two runs in those games, you look at right. a six-inning, three-run right. performance from the starting pitcher, and you go, not good enough. He wasn't that good. I he, gave up that, lo- he gave up that blue bit right. of blast in the third meanwhile, inning. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Twins, if they had scored right. five runs, you'd be going, man, Lopez pitched pretty damn well. Right. Good, yeah, solid exactly outing, right. got the win. And so that's... You know, it's the arise yeah. thing. It's the lineup. It's it all kind of plays into that. But man, the starting pitching has been good. And like you just said, there's been so many years. I'm not saying the Twins had spectacular offenses, although certainly 2019 they did. Where even come midseason, you look and you go, "This is a pretty damn good lineup." Going back to the Mauro right. Morno yes. days, going back to even the the uh, you know Koski, Jock Jones, sure. Torrey Hunter sure. days, yeah. and and certainly in 2019. But then you go. Well, who the hell's starting playoff games for that team? Right. And yes. you know, you get into spots where it's Randy Dobnik or it's right. Brian Dunson, <laughs> Dunson, right. Dunson yeah, right. or you know whoever. And now it's the opposite problem, which yeah. is still a problem, and it's still something people are going to fret about. Right. But and now should. it's who's <laughs> right. starting a playoff game? Well, uh, probably Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, right. and Joe Ryan, yeah. or maybe Bailey Ober. Right. And now it's well, who's who's hitting in a playoff game? Right. Which I'm not saying that's any easier of a problem to yeah. solve. Who's going to pitch? Who's going to hit versus some good pitching? Right. Right. Yeah. And I would. I guess rather have the front line pitching and try to figure out a way to score three runs. But that might just be because we've we've seen You've the seen other, the other version. the last 20 years. Yes. Uh, before we talk about Royce Lewis and uh, Jose Miranda and some other stuff, let's talk about our uh, next couple of sponsors. BetterHelp, uh, we've talked about before, which is uh, basically they've taken the need for therapy or just to talk to somebody for right. whatever issue you're facing. Uh, if you just wake up one day and you say Man, I've been dealing with this for a while. I actually think today's the day to talk to somebody about it. It's often very difficult in sort of a traditional yeah. in-person setup to talk to somebody. That day is impossible. <laughs> right, but even yes. like that week, it's often impossible. Yeah. The, the hurdles you have to jump through yeah. to get to that and the kind of barriers for entry. and It can, take, help. It can take months. Yes. It can take months to research and to find things and then to find somebody and do they have any space on their their calendar. Right. And, ugh. and within that, there are some people who don't want to deal with this face-to-face. They'd <laughs> rather talk right. on the phone or via text. And so BetterHelp has, has kind of removed a lot of barriers for entry. 
if you want to talk to real licensed therapists about whatever your issue is, you want to do a video chat with them, you can do a video chat within, you know, 48, 72 hours usually. If you want to, you say, I don't want to be on video, you can just do an audio chat with them. If you say you're a weirdo like me and you hate talking on the phone, you could type, do a live chat with them. You can send emails with them, whatever it is. They will kind of customize it to whatever you're comfortable with and whatever you're dealing with. And our listeners uh, can visit betterhelp.com slash Gleeman today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash Gleeman. I've been traveling a lot, and uh, it's nice to know that I've got the Game Time app on my phone because when I go to Philadelphia and I want to catch a Sunday game, it happens to be Philadelphia Phillies are drawn real well this year, real well, and especially when they have a Father's Day promotion that they're, they're giving away a free baseball hat. Oh, my God, is it hard to get tickets. But Game Time app came through for me, got tickets for me and uh, my my uh, son, uh, my daughter's godparents uh, okay. as we as we went to the game. Uh and that's because they're good at getting tickets. I mean, they're, they're, their specialty and, 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 is hard to find tickets, right? And just last minute tickets. So right. if you're like, Listen, I've used them, I've used it for Twins games for four years. Yeah, so John has used it right. while literally walking to the ballpark. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've used it in the bar outside the ballpark. Well, yeah, I don't want to out you as an alcoholic, <laughs> but yes, he's also done that too. The Game Time app—that's their specialty, and they also do you know concerts, shows in addition to sporting events, right. obviously. So uh, here's what you have to do. If you can snag tickets without the stress with Game Time, you just download the Game Time app wherever you get your apps, create an account, and then use the code Gleeman, and you will get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account on the Game Time app, redeem the code Gleeman for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. How many children? Do you think you would – this is another example of you saying something uh, offhandedly and me becoming <laughs> interested in it. How many children do you think you would have had to have for me to be in a godfather situation, godparent situation? Well, I didn't even know you till 2011, so you'd 12 have to keep, or something yeah, like yeah. that. So it would probably have been like 2014. We talking 100 kids? I would have kids? had to have – If you had to have 100 a, children. I would have had to get to 2014. So that's – and I started having kids at 97. Yeah. So I'm thinking we that's I'm mean, at least like eight or nine at that point, okay. like right. You're just running out of people at that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Possibility, exactly right. Yeah, yeah that that's point. about right. Yeah. yeah, I think I would reject it. I would turn. It I down. think I. I know better. Who can I have as my you know my daughter's spiritual guide? Yeah, you're let's, let's take the angry podcast. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Who doesn't leave his house? Yeah. Well, that's that's actually not a bad counterbalance for us. Truth be told, not leaving your house. Yeah, we. <laughs> I always right. say between you and me, we we go out an average amount. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know exactly what I mean? Right, As yeah. a podcast, we go out an that's average right, amount. Yeah. yeah, I've never um, I've never heard of a family member or a friend, um, you know, getting pregnant or having a baby and thought. Boy, I wonder if they'll come to me and, and Becky as the godparent. I just became godparent for the first time. Uh, yeah, that's right. Three, week, three months ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, that's all. I would argue also a mistake on their behalf. Yeah, it was a pretty, 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 pretty tragic mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Kid will grow up to the, be a brewer. The good part about having me as a godparent is that Chrissy is also a godparent, and Chrissy will now obsess about your child. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. That kid gets lots of presents. I will not obsess about a child. I don't. <laughs> No, don't don't care. I mean, like you know, I don't, I don't want them. To, I want them to live because I don't want to be blamed. But yeah, they're they're gonna yeah. they're gonna learn by example. 
more so than <laughs> you know what I mean. Like from a distance, the hitters are not taking over the hitters meeting in this Godfather no, situation. Right. It's yeah, just right. yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You could text me once in a while. I got a problem. <laughs> Three days later, I'll reply with a thumbs up emoji or something like that. If that helps you, then yeah, I'll be a good godparent. You think you reply? I do. Th- I'm, I do a thumbs up emoji. For, for, <laughs> I'm good. At, I like that. Since that's been added to the um, text uh, lexicon, it's really been helpful to yeah, yeah, me. Because yeah. a lot of times I'll get a text from John or anybody, and I'll be like, I don't really know what to say to this. So I'll just wait and wait, and three weeks pass. But if you can just send a thumbs up <laughs> right. or prayer hands, yeah, that works go. too. There you go, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, let's see. I mean, talk about Royce and, and Miranda. I, I mean, obviously, just off the the top it's very unfortunate with uh, with royce lewis given all he's been through a which is back-to-back season-ending knee injuries 25 months worth of rehab involved in the two of them to then come back and hit 326 in your first month back in the majors yeah. with a whole bunch of clutch hits a whole bunch of you know game-changing moments he's he was starting to look more and more comfortable at third base he was starting to run a little bit uh just you know a spark and, and, for a lineup that and, yeah. desperately needed any And bringing sort of, a different style to the lineup right. that we just spent uh, two yes. segments breaking down how important that new style or that sort of aggressive style was playing into yeah. what was otherwise a, seemed like to be a pretty passive lineup that didn't want to make adjustments. He, here's a guy who clearly is not afraid to make adjustments. And then he uh, tweaks his uh, side, run into uh, first base. Yeah. And is going to be out with an oblique strain, left oblique strain for six weeks. I would probably take the over on that, just given the history of oblique strains in Major League Baseball. Those tend to, I mean, we're seeing it with Caleb Theobar, who's yeah. a pitcher, but tried to come back after three or four weeks and is now back on the IL for a month. Yeah. Um, it created a situation where the default replacement, as the only healthy infielder on the 40 man roster who wasn't already in the majors, is Jose Miranda. And, you know, we've been kind of updating his status at AAA over the past month or so. Every week or two, we talk about what he's doing at AAA, where he's playing. And he had started to perform better in the three or four weeks leading up to this. Let's, let's, just, let's start the baseline. The baseline, he started terribly. Yeah, he was terrible. Hit for no power at all. And I don't mean in the majors. I'm talking about when he yes. went down to St. Paul. He was his... worse at St. Paul than he was right. in the majors, which got him right. demoted to St. Paul. Right. But over the last 20, 25 games there, he was hitting 310. He, you know, the strikeout rate was low, which it usually is. He was drawing, you know, a few walks, at least enough where you go, all right, he's he's taking some pitches. Uh, the the power wasn't really there. I think he had three homers in 25 games or something like that. But you look and he had a, you know, 840 OPS or something. He'd been playing mostly third, some first base, had a couple of, you know, game-winning hits for them. Like he, if he, if we didn't know the history of Jose Miranda, and he were just some 25-year-old right. prospect at AAA, you'd go, yeah, this guy's playing pretty well. Yeah, let's put him in the call-up mix sure. come, going forward. And that is sort of what happened, which is they then had a need-based right. situation. He wasn't hitting so well that you would that he'd push him his way onto the roster, right. but he wasn't hitting so poorly that you would skip over him when exactly. you had an opening That's exactly the roster. Right. Right. And so he gets called up, and it's been interesting to watch I mean, it's only been a handful of games, obviously, but he's been their primary third baseman yeah. in place of Lewis, which was expected. But they've pinch hit for him yeah. a lot in All like the seven, sixth or seventh two. inning, <laughs> yeah. and they've replaced him defensively when yes. possible. Right. Uh, lots of lots of moves defensively, yeah. actually, the last couple games. I mean, with the pinch I, I hitting some, and some pinch of, running, some of, some of them I thought were really actually kind of brilliant. Uh, but keep going. 
Yeah, Baldelli's like a guy. When Solano hit that double, and then they pinch hit Taylor, and I took a look, and I said, oh, that's the perfect move to make on defensively. Yeah. Like, suddenly, I've got Taylor playing center field. I got Castro over at third. I got Farmer back at second base. All the things that had been I kind of worried about in the starting lineup with Castro at center field and Julian at second base and Solano at third base. I was like, yeah, boy. Well, they finished the Lopez shutout with, right? I would say, the best possible yeah, defensive right. It line. was beautiful. And that's one of those things yeah. that looks great until – until, it doesn't until, until they score, and then you've got right. Then, then you, you got, got Michael bat. Taylor. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm going to put this in terms that I think you will definitely understand, which is when you're out for a night of drinking, and you think I kind of got to go to the bathroom, and you think don't do it. As soon as you break that seal, you're going to be peeing all night after that. <laughs> okay. And I feel like that's the point Baldelli has gotten to with the in-game moves. Pinch, he went two, three years. Yeah. He didn't. He could just sit on his hands and let the Bomba yeah. squad go to work, yeah. right? I mean, he's even talked jokingly yeah. about that. Yeah. He said, "I got. I show up here as a manager, and we hit 350 homers. It's not that much to do, really." Yeah. Uh, he started to then last couple of years pinch hit a little bit, but yeah, this year he's got the second most pinch hit appearances. He's pinch running right. for guys. He's replacing them definitely defensively. defensive replacements. Like that's yeah. what started the whole thing. The, the seal yeah. was broken on Wednesday when. After Julian got picked off of first base, right. then he, he came back out to play. So it wasn't punishing that or something. Till the sixth. Till the, the very next inning after that, where it's like, yeah, I don't think I want to see Julian at second base anymore. So let's the, bring let's bring in Farmer. He'll play third. We'll put Solano at second base, right. which doesn't necessarily help you at second base, but it helps you at third but base. But then Farmer <laughs> did bat at least once yeah, in right? that spot. Yeah. And that's the difference to me is like, I have no problem with defense replacements. In general, I right. think people focus too much on the upside of them versus the downside of them yes but i agree if you're gonna make them in the eighth or ninth inning or you know when it's not you know just numbers wise it's less than a 50 percent chance that that spot in the lineup is going to come up again right well then yeah by all means if you got a two-run lead you make them that earlier you know farmer's getting that bat and he might get two at bats we've seen that i mean he's removed julian in the first inning i don't know enough about their lineup to know whether or not that because i was surprised i I was surprised when I saw Farmer out there because I was like, I haven't seen a left-handed reliever. Why is Farmer out there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> defense. <laughs> it was defense, uh, yeah. So, yeah, now they have two of their four starting infielders are uh, guys who they want to remove defensively, Yeah, right. which is yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's real sustainable necessarily. <laughs> but, I mean, that kind of speaks to where Miranda stands now with them, which is theoretically he's got a month and a half here or more, unfortunately. Right. It could be longer to kind of reestablish his value in the Twins' mind or, or hit yeah. his way back into their plans, and it's going to have to be offensively. But but that's got to his happen. stock had <laughs> dropped so much right. that, A, they're going to pinch hit for him and pinch run for him and defensively replace him. He's not going to be viewed as the guy he was at the beginning of the sure. season, which is this guy plays every day. This guy, you right. know. He's one of the top four guys in our lineup. Right. He's part of our core. Which, and that's right. middle of the lineup guy. I mean, he right. performed his yes. way into that, yep. obviously. But – then the question becomes, let's say two weeks from now, he's not really been any better offensively than he was early in the season, and he's still weak contact and too yeah. many double plays. and they're pinch- hitting like Kyle Farmer, only without right. the defense. It's exactly right. <laughs> right. So yeah. then do they kind of decide, look, we got another three, four, or five weeks here with somebody else playing third base instead of Royce Lewis. Do we want to continue down this path with Miranda? Are we, A, helping ourselves, right. or B, are we doing him any favors by kind of putting him back into that position before he had really kind of gotten fully back on track at AAA, if that was going to happen at AAA? Right. In which case, you could send him back to AAA. You could go with Farmer and Willie Castro 
at third base instead of him. The other thing is, you know, Castro can play pretty much anywhere, but it's been primarily an outfielder for them. A lot of left field. Well, if you want right. to make him your third baseman, right. and he's been playing almost every day in the outfield anyway, so what's the difference? If you want to make him your third baseman, then it could be Larnick in left field. It could be Walner in left field on those days. And I know they have could Gallo. Could be a trade deadline acquisition. Well, it could be a trade field. deadline. But also Nick Gordon. If Nick Gordon right. yeah, beats well, Royce Lewis back, yeah, he could sure. be in the mix there at some point. Yeah. So I, I think there's a – I mean, we talked about this when they sent Miranda down, how he gets back into the fold because – you know, two weeks after they sent him down, Royce Lewis took over at third base. It's possible Royce Lewis is the third baseman for the next decade. And if he's not, if he goes to center field or he goes to second base or whatever it is, uh, it's possible that Brooks Lee is just the third baseman in the middle of next year or whatever, or, you know, Austin Martin or whatever. And right. so it's possible that door long term has already kind of closed for Miranda. In which case, yeah, then you really have to hit your way into the first base DH situation. But it, it whether it's long term, whether it's short term, whether it's third base, first base, whatever, it all boils down to he's just got to hit. hit. <laughs> like, right, and, yeah. and in the short term, filling in for Lewis, he's going to get an opportunity. But I, I just wonder how long is the runway here? Like how how long before they say, not we're giving up on him completely, right. although they could do that. But how long he's before got they say of options left? Yeah, I mean they can. But I mean he could be trade bait right. yes, or whatever. Right. Yes. How long before they just say, look? He actually hadn't been that amazing at AAA. Like you said, right. he hadn't pushed his way back to the majors. He had just gotten to a level sure. where, if needed, he could be called back. Right. And how long before they say, it's it's not happening yet? Like, right. maybe it'll happen later, but right. we'll see. And so that's kind of what I'm I'm wondering yeah, about. Your suggestion that he could be trade bait is an interesting one, too. I mean, I don't well. think I mean, he's going to have a huge trade value, but certainly they could trade him. Potentially. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of interesting to see what its trade value would be. It's just... What we've seen from this year, a lot of what you're saying isn't that oh, we don't know if he's going to be good enough to be in the majors. It's just sort of like we're not really sure where he fits, right? right? And it, yeah, I mean, I think he's a major league player. It's I mean, just is yeah, if, a platoon. If, if, if you would have tried to trade him in March, you'd have had a huge market for him. Well, what right? I really wonder about, <laughs> and this was not going to happen, obviously, but what I really wonder about is what was his value last trade deadline right. relative yeah, to like right. Spencer Steer, yeah, Encarnacion right. yeah, Strand, yeah, right. fill in the blank there. Like what yeah. could he have fetched from a right. pitching standpoint? But I, I mean, I get nobody was calling for that to happen, obviously, <laughs> right. but yeah, right. that's, I don't know, that's the unfortunate thing. When you're uh, in the... Pro- I, I, I just feel like maybe we are... Listen, he's had just such a dismal year. I don't want to say we're overreacting to a dismal year, right? But right. I, I wonder, for for two guys that tend to be sort of you know, here's what this guy has been sure. and look at multiple years of history and so on. How much are we overreacting to, you know, three really crummy months or four really crummy months? Now, it's worth pointing out. He did. He wasn't all that great six months out of six months last year. He had, right. you know, he had ups yeah, he was, and downs. He was bad in he September. Had, he, well, he had terrible on his first call up right. and, and bad in September. And in the middle, he had one when phenomenal you're a, month. In the, in the like, prospect world, a guy like Miranda is called a helium prospect, which is... He's kind of chugging along in the right. low minors. He gets to double A. People, some people like him, some don't. The numbers aren't great. And then all of a sudden, after working behind the scenes in 2020, he has that breakout 2021 yeah, season. Right. Minor league player of the year. He was one of the great seasons in right. Twins history. Yes. He hit 350 with right. 30-something homers. Started 2022 the same way in the minors. Right. right. Yep. When a guy kind of not comes out of nowhere, but has that big jump up right. one year. And then 18 months later, you're looking at him and you go, 
was he ever actually that good? Like, right. how long are we waiting for that to right. duplicate itself yep. or that guy from that one year to reshow himself? Now, right. he did it in the majors for a few months, but yep. early on and late wasn't that great. And also, part of the problem with him is the bar for his offense has to be high because he's either going to be right. a poor defensive third baseman or DH or right. first baseman. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that's, that's why uh, Royce Lewis, it's a shame for him for the twins i also don't know that miranda is kind of ready for this spotlight again quite yet i think no, I, three I, weeks I later maybe if he put you. together a bigger stretch at triple a it would I agree with you but you can't you can't choose nope. when a guy's going to get an nope. oblique injury um i will say this uh we were just talking about you know the twins having a more aggressive style and how much that hurt that royce lewis was you know somebody who seemingly made yeah. adjustments or something Miranda, at the least, has a pretty aggressive style up there. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I don't know. May, may, he, his might need to be the opposite way. You well, know, he is he a great example, in a, along with like uh, the Cleveland Guardians are a really good example that we always cite too, which is everyone hates strikeouts. And everyone looks at the Twins and go, well, they're on a record-setting strikeout pace. If only they could decrease the strikeouts, the right. offense would really click. And you go, well, yeah, there's some truth to that, obviously. But uh, – Cleveland has struck out the fewest times in baseball, I think, and uh, they have a worse offense than the Twins. Right. And that's where Miranda, unfortunately, has trended, which is the the quality of contact has been so poor that the context the contact itself loses value right. as like yes. a skill or a tool. Right. Yes, um, and he's he's got to get around that. Like you know, chopping the ball to second base or shortstop on the third pitch of an at bat. Right. Yeah, you didn't strike out, but. <laughs> It's it's not good in a lot of situations because of how slow he is. Right. It's a double play. Yeah, um, exactly. So right. he's got to elevate the ball. He's got to hit the ball harder, or they're going to move on this season and maybe in the future. Because if you can't outperform a veteran good glove role player, whether it's uh, uh, Farmer, Castro, whoever, it's going to be really. Tr- it's just tricky to stick with you. Uh, yeah. Before we get, let's see, and a couple other little notes here to, to get to there's a lot actually because we've been two weeks but some of this stuff is being covered uh on the patreon i just wanted to before we get to our last sponsor which we will there's, okay. only, there's only one more yeah. but um sunny gray named to the all-star team yeah third all-star appearance third With three team. teams yeah that's cool um he uh he's very he's an interesting guy because he uh day-to-day he either really wants to break down his performance or not at all. <laughs> he either really is excited to talk about being an all-star or not at all. Uh, but I think that trade, the Chase Petty, who was the Twins' first-round pick in 2021 for Sonny Gray two springs ago, is an example of the, the good version of what the Twins have tried to do a lot on the starting pitching front, which is we haven't been able to develop our own Sonny Grays because of injuries or poor development or whatever, um, we're willing to pay these premium price tags for veteran frontline starting pitchers, which is the single most expensive player type on the trade market always, every year, every decade, every year. And some teams, for that reason, just completely shy away from And, in fact, not just a rental. Right, but but, but guy, guys with extra extra they, years of he had two full right. years when they traded for him, and they essentially right. traded their first round pick. Right. You know, he had pitched five innings in the minors, right. but an eighteen year old hard throwing uh, high school pitcher, Chase Petty, twenty I want to say twenty sixth overall pick, 
nine months earlier. So mm-hmm. you essentially traded a first-round pick for two years of a 32-year-old, I guess at the time, Sonny Gray, and you pay him $25 million for those two years too. Mm-hmm. And that has worked out about as well as it could work out from the Sonny Gray standpoint. Now, Chase Petty may go on to have a Hall of Fame career. Who knows? Right. Um, but that's an example of their willingness to kind of to pay the price for veteran starting pitchers, that's the good version of it, which is you know you're giving up something good. Sure. They're under no right. notion that Chase Petty is is valueless or that their first-round pick, regardless of who it was, was valueless. Right. But it's like if we can get two all-star caliber years from Sonny Gray, yeah, that's fine. We're willing yeah. to trade six years of Chase Petty's future for two years of that. We've then seen – Versions of that same sort of thinking with Tyler Malley. It was a year and a half of Tyler Malley. They right. traded Steer and Encarnacion Strand for him. Well, that's the opposite end of the spectrum. Exactly. That's right. that's yep. horrible. Yep. Within that, we all have the Pablo it, it, Lopez yeah, for a rise between, version, yeah, right, which yeah. is not on the good side yet, but I think closer to the middle ground right now, right. certainly. We'll see. Time time will tell. Uh, and then Maeda. you have Maeda Gratterall. <laughs> Which that one's tricky to evaluate too, because right away it looked great. Maeda finished yes, runner right. up for yes. Cy Young right. in twenty twenty, but that was the sixty game season. Mm-hmm. Gratterall has the the reason they were willing to trade Gratterall, who was a top one hundred prospect, hundred mile an hour, you know, twenty one year old, because they they believed he was going to end up as a reliever. Right. And once they determined his upside was a good reliever, not a good starter, they were willing to trade him for a good starter. Right. But then Maeda has the one really good season in the abbreviated year. Obviously, the fact that it was abbreviated was not his fault or the Twins' fault. And then struggles through most of 2021, undergoes Tommy John surgery, misses the end of 2021, all of 2022, and is now coming back, which we'll talk about in a minute, how he's looked. Meanwhile, Gratterall has become a pretty good reliever for the Dodgers, but he's been banged up, and he doesn't really strike anybody out despite a 102-mile-an-hour fastball. And so you look at it and you go, well, Maeda showed them the frontline starter they thought they were getting, but it was really briefly, and now they're hoping at the tail end of this, because he's an impending free agent, he'll be a valuable contributor to a playoff team again. Bruce Dargraderall is valuable, but not so much that you go, oh, man, I can't believe they gave up right. Bruce Dargraderall. That's right. That's right. And so these are sort they of... They get uh, also Odorizzi at Palacios. Well, that one worked uh, another one, That one also worked Although even that one, they brought back Odorizzi, <laughs> and then he was terrible for $17 million or whatever right. the right. second time yeah. around. But they also brought back Palacios. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and yeah. so that's the spectrum of like... They're coming into these... Like pitching trades, eyes wide open. Yeah, they know you have to pay a dollar fifty on the dollar for it. Your hope is that you actually do get the dollar return, and that you know maybe it ends up being a dollar and a quarter that you gave up long term instead of a dollar fifty or something. I mean, listen, all of these, all of these trades are a gamble. If you're afraid to gamble, you don't want to make this trade. Well, right, and 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 they've got examples from the where it totally worked out to when it totally did not work out, and they got all of them in between. Well, and then obviously the the Joe Ryan aspect, which is a different scenario, which is you trade away two months of Nelson Cruz for a triple-A pitcher, Joe Ryan, which is now looking like one of the best trades in in Twins history. Yeah, but then you also got Jose Barrios trading away one of those pitchers. That's true. Barrios (laughs) just threw seven uh, one-hit innings. He suddenly seems to bounce back after a really tough year and a half with uh, or yeah. year plus with Tampa, but I mean, well, we're what we're worried about uh, about the two prospects that we got back in return for. Yeah, I wouldn't count on uh, much value from that trade. It looks like, unfortunately. Uh, before we talk about Maeda and we finish up with a couple of notes here, let's just do our last our last sponsor, which is Stamps.com. I always talk about how I used Stamps.com <laughs> for months at a time. You know, four or five years ago, I uh, I wrote a book and I stupidly said. 
hey, I got a bunch of copies of this book that they sent me. If you guys uh, give me yeah. 20 bucks, I'll uh, autograph it and send it to you. And I thought, yeah, 40 people will do that. And instead, it was like, uh, I don't know, 850 people yeah. or something. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, my uh, living room turned into a production facility and a mailing facility. But, but even if you're not doing something like that, I can guarantee you, like one of your least favorite, I'm not saying you, I'm saying to our listener, but me you dear also, listener, yeah. one of your least favorite listen, place to spend any afternoon the post is office. the post office, right? In line I, at the post office. With my son being in Japan, he, I've been thinking back a lot to my time in the Soviet Union. People are like, what was it like being in the Soviet Union? My response was, you know what it's like being in the post office where nobody really seems to care whether or not the line moves or not? Yeah. It was like that like 24 hours a day in the, in the yes. Soviet Union. Stamps.com <laughs> can save you from that, whether it's just you know day-to-day stuff, you mail right. one or two things a week, or you've got a project that you've got yourself into like I did where you're mailing out <laughs> 50 things every morning. You can avoid a million trips to the post office. You can actually save money because you can be more precise with your shipping. Right. Because as we're just about to say, the, there's a... It's an incredible deal. There's a trial set where they'll send you a digital scale right. that you can actually weigh and put the correct postage instead of just slapping on five bucks worth of postage. Yeah, so avoid the hassle and get started with stamps.com today. You just sign up with the promo code GEEK, not Gleeman, GEEK. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, and then you click a microphone on the top of the page, and you enter the code GEEK. Stamps.com. Okay. So we mentioned Maeda. Um, he's uh, made three starts since coming off the IL for the second <laughs> yeah. time. He's looked good. 17 uh, innings, three runs, and 21 strikeouts, right? Yeah, Something a like lot that. of swings and misses. Um you know, the the thing we've talked about with him, even at his best, is he was never a guy for whom velocity was the leading indicator of, you know, how things are going. Sure. And even in his runner-up Cy Young season, he was 91-92. Now, there is a big difference between 91-92 with your fastball and 88-89 with your fastball. It may not seem like a big difference, but when you're 91-92 in the year 2023 is already – pretty far down or pretty high up there on the degree of difficulty scale it requires to succeed as a starting pitcher in the year 2023 throwing 91 92 it requires really good control really good command multiple good off-speed pitches that you can throw against lefties and righties a little bit of veteran guile all this stuff which he had in in spades obviously you can still do that at 88 89 but you really need to be just absolutely right. thriving. Right. You have to be hundredth percentile. You have to be a, a duelist. Yeah, right. And so I think what we saw from him, you know, the first time around is he had the one really good start in Miami. Then his stuff kind of ticked back a little bit to the point he was, you know, topping out at ninety instead of averaging ninety, and the command and the control just weren't there, and he got knocked around. Obviously, the big one was against the Yankees. They just let him eat. He gave up 10 runs. Right. He they let him eat it. But if you take out that one start against the, and then he gets hit in the ankle the next timeout or whatever right, but yeah, right. uh, if you take out that one start against the yankees which you know that counts too so believe me <laughs> right yeah but he's got a 525 era or something if you take out that one 10 run start against the yankees he's made five starts this season uh he has a 270 era mm-hmm. with 33 strikeouts and six walks well that's what you need to see which is he needs to rarely walk anybody right. that's one guy per start basically that he's walking he needs to pound the strike zone but not with middle middle pitches right. because 
the problem you, you throwing 90 is... He is not a make-contact guy. Right. You're yeah. trying to avoid contact. You're trying to get swings and misses with your breaking ball, with your split change, all that stuff. And that the secondary pitches... I mean, he still is only averaging 90, 91 miles an hour. Right. And like he jokes after every start, like... You know, people say, like, were you happy with the velocity? He's like, yeah, but I'm hoping it ticks back up to 95. Like, he always (laughs) says that. And, yeah, it'd be great if it ticked back up to 92, which is more realistic. (laughs) Right. But he can live at 90 if everything else is clicking perfectly. Right. And it wasn't clicking perfectly at times. That's why he went on the IL. And it's been much closer to the ideal in the three starts since then. The concern is, you know, how long physically can this last? Because – any slip in that or any fatigue or any, you know, whatever is leaves him without any margin. Yeah, for fortunately, basically. after those three starts, he's yes. got a little bit he's of a break the- here. I will be interested to see how they set up the, the rotation coming back. Oh, he'll out, definitely like, pitch fifth coming out of the break, I bet. So, I mean, that gives him almost two weeks off, right? Because right? he last pitched Tuesday, right? He wouldn't pitch until probably Wednesday the following week or Tuesday the following week then. Yeah. So that's almost two weeks off if he does that. He won't that. pitch till in Seattle? Would it be? Yeah. It's Oakland. Yeah. And oh, Seattle, yeah. Three games right? in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there's a break on that Monday. So, yeah, it would be Tuesday. It would be the next day that he would thing. be. Tuesday to Tuesday. That's a two week break. Yeah. Because other, otherwise, he'd, I mean, if they just kept exactly the rotation that, or exactly the order that they have right now, he'd be pitching on Friday, right? It would have been his turn on Monday, except that, that that's when the My prediction coming goes. out of the break is that it'll be Lopez, Ryan, Gray, Ober, Maeda. That's you know, having think, given that do it right back five kind of, seconds of thought. Because okay. I think they might have led with Gray, except he's going to go the All Star game, and I don't think he'll pitch because he's going to pitch Saturday, so he'll likely be unavailable. Oh yeah, although yeah, he said yeah, he would yeah, like yeah. to pitch an inning, but he's never pitched in the All Star game. But the guys who pitch over the weekend tend not to be available in the All Star game. But I think just from going to the All Star game, they'll want to give him a break so as this, long as they can. This weekend, Sonny Gray is pitching Saturday. Yes, and okay. Joe Ryan is pitching Sunday. Okay, but it doesn't matter as much because I would, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if it was. I mean, here's the beauty of the if, rotation, if, John. If they, I know. We just talked about this. It doesn't matter. I know. I mean, the front it's, four, it certainly doesn't right. matter. Well, that's why I was wondering. I wouldn't be shocked if they go. They kind of keep the same rotation more or less, but they bump Gray back and they bump Maeda back, right? we so got to be go the with, only podcast where we both agree it doesn't matter and we spent like nine <laughs> minutes talking about cutting it off at the... Uh, okay. Let's see. A few under my miscellaneous uh, tab here. Uh, I think we've talked about everything I definitely want to talk about. Um Oh, I have, a note. I have a note here. Tell John he looks handsome today. You look handsome today. Do I? Eh, not really. <laughs> I thought, why not? Uh, there's a draft. Now, <laughs> Sunday night, they have the fifth pick. I think it starts at 7 our time, so somewhere we around. We also talked about this a little bit more yeah, on the page. We're going to have to rely on that as our draft coverage. I mean, I've written three articles right. about it, so people can read that. Let's give, the, let's give them the, the Cliff Notes version. The Cliff Notes version is that the Twins were supposed to pick 13th. There was the first ever, the inaugural MLB draft lottery at the winter meetings in December that I uh, had the good fortune to witness one of the most boring uh, events I've ever (laughs) seen. It was just about 50 writers milling around a conference room while they went, uh, number five, Minnesota Twins. No reaction. Okay. Well, I guess I have to write about that. Uh, They jumped up eight spots, which was the most of any team, to number five. And even back then, it was considered a really deep, good you know, class in terms of frontline talent. Once the college season started, it almost any article or any person you talk to about the draft class, they would say it's a five-player draft. Right. There's three exceptional college players, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens from uh, LSU, Wyatt Lankford, who's a outfielder, 
uh, from Florida, who was the runner-up to LSU in the College World Series. Right. So everyone got a chance if they wanted to, to watch the, right. the three best players, really, in the right. draft. Uh, and then two high school guys, Max Clark, who's kind of a leadoff type of center fielder, left-handed hitter, and uh, Walker – I can't think of his name now. Walker Jenkins. Yes. Oof, I've written about these guys a million times. Uh, Walker Jenkins, who's a uh, more of a you know prototypical right field slugger type yeah. of left-handed right. hitter, high school players. And so it's great to pick fifth in a five-player draft, quote-unquote. But there's been a bunch of articles written, uh, some who say they have sources, some who are just going off other people's mock drafts and stuff like right. that. That the kind of storyline becomes, well, will the Twins draft a high school guy? You know, right. it's great to say you pick fifth in a five-player draft, just draft whoever's left. Right. Which, yeah, I do think that's a, probably the approach they ought to take. Um, but if who's left is a 17-year-old outfielder from high school, right. are they going to do that? They've really never done that since Royce Lewis out of high school yeah right yes it's they've taken a lot of college bats now does that mean they only want to take college bats or does it mean that they were never drafting fifth in a five person draft with a with a premier high school outfielder so i do think the idea of you know if one of the two high school outfielders is the guy available at number five which i do expect to be the case it's not locked in but i do expect that to be the case nobody really expects any of the three college players to fall to number no and if they i'm not sure you may expect them to fall past well, three, Could. but maybe, maybe four. If they do, right. it'll be because their bonus demands are very high. And you might initially think to yourself, well, that probably rules out the Twins, too. But the Twins have $14.3 million to spend on their draft picks this year right. because they yes. have not only the number fifth, number five pick, but two other top 50 picks. And it's their bonus pool is the fourth largest. So yes. if one of the three college guys slips because they're asking for $9, 10000000 million or more, the twins, twins could could do potentially that, do that right. and try to save money with their other picks. Essentially, kind of moving up from five right. to three. <laughs> from from what I've been able to gather, talking to people behind the scenes, and also we interviewed Sean Johnson, right. who's their VP of uh, amateur scouting. He's the guy who's going to make the pick um, publicly. I, I wrote a bunch of stuff with his quotes, and if people want to read that for the Athletic, I'm not saying that they wouldn't prefer a college player. All things being equal. I just think the assumption that they will pass on a consensus higher upside high school player to take a higher floor, lower upside college player is faulty. I think it it it's based too much on their previous picks, which is a pretty small sample. Like, does the fact that five of their nine first-round picks have been college hitters mean that going forward – they're 60% likely to prefer a college hitter? Right. Or does it just mean there were a couple picks in there where they just had a college guy rated ahead? That's sure. sort of been their stance. It's like, yes, well, we would prefer college hitters, but we're not in a spot where we're dropping high school guys 10 spots just because they were in high school, basically. But we'll yeah. see. I mean, I mean listen, the, the Twins have certainly shown that this front office has certainly shown that tendency. Right. right? That that, But like as you point out, there's a big difference between – that doesn't mean that we're blacklisting every every right. high school that's, hitter. That's I've here, had right? members of the Twins uh, draft crew, let's uh-huh. say, right. say to me like, "This is not reality." Like, if you see on some mock draft that, like, you know, uh, they're talking about models, and you know, the Twins only like college hitters in the mo- not the case. I mean, they're scouting the hell out of these high school guys. They've seen these guys a bunch, especially these two guys have been at the top of the class for the whole you know right. six months now or longer. Um, I think if one of the college guys drops to them at five, they'll take them. If I if one of the two 
if it's one of the, instead one of the two or two, both of the high school guys, I think it's not 100%, but I still do think they're going to wind up with one of the top five in a five-player draft, but it's not yeah, the, kind the, of set in the stone. The proof will be in the pudding on Sunday night, right? I mean, there's, there's certainly reasons for right. well, the twins to misrepresent their position, whether it's, sure. whether it's to you or whether it's to somebody uh, on the side to try and drive it a different way, right? Like if they are in negotiations with – listen, they, they are – Absolutely, have talked to all of these players right. about what their all salary teams demands know what are. The going bonus to be. demands are for all players. That's right. at this point, right? And that's and, a huge part of the baseball thing. I mean, it's not as simple as best player on your board in baseball, right? Because there are no trades. You can't trade up or down in baseball, right. and so what ends up happening is to get the as close to the effect of trading up or down. You know, like right. in the NBA or NFL or whatever. You can't just have the fifth pick and go, oh, we'd rather trade for the ninth pick and a second round pick or something like right. that. You can't do that in baseball. What you can do is instead of taking the fifth rated player with the fifth pick and paying them the full slot bonus amount or right. more, you could, let's say, take the ninth rated player with the fifth pick, pre-negotiate a deal that's for $5 million instead of $7 million, right. and then redistribute that extra $2 million to your – Next pick, to which your 24th is, overall pick, right, which, which is also a high pick. Right. They have two other top 50, 34th and 49th, I think I want to say. And so then you can effectively trade up with those picks. So you right. go like from five to nine, you right. end up with a top 10 guy. Then you can use that extra two million, tack it onto the whatever two million that's the slot amount for the 34th pick, and essentially move up to 24. Right. Where you're trying to then get someone who was rated 16th right. who fell to 24 because right. of the exact same bonus situation. That's right. Now, it's not guaranteed. You have to very much react in real time to that. Right. But it's not a complete crapshoot because right. every team knows what every guy's bonus demands are at this point. Right. Every guy has told every team, unless you're going to pay me this amount – don't draft me. Well, I'll go a, to college. I'll, you know, whatever. I think Julianne is an example of that. Right? Julianne's like a 17th round pick who ended right. up getting like second round money. No, I mean, there are tons third of round money. Carlos Correa right. th was drafted first overall. Now, they may have done that anyway, but he right. was drafted first overall in part because they saved money, quote unquote, right. to then give to Lance McCullers right. in the second round and get a first round talent in the second okay. round. And just to be clear, when I say saves money, the Twins' total available slot bonus pool is all going to be spent. Is fourteen point right. three million? They will spend it. Right. It's just how is it spent? Are you spending seven million on the number five pick right. and seven million total on everyone else, right. or are you spending five million on the number one pick and nine million on the other guys right. to try to That's move right. your way up and down? Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that a lot Monday. Yes, because the draft is on the is Patreon. Patreon. We'll so next, yeah, we should just kind of give a heads up on what we're planning on doing next week. Uh, we've got Patreon on Monday where we will re recap the Baltimore Orioles series. We'll talk about this draft pick. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday, we're uh, during the All-Star break. If you're looking for some baseball talk, yeah. we're going to be doing a mailbag. So if you join the Patreon.com by by Tuesday, probably, I send out the mailbag call. You get the inbox to, to be send your uh, question in, and we tried to do a whole mailbag episode yeah. uh, on Patreon. Yeah, that you can listen to on Wednesday, and then we'll be back Friday again with the free show. We're trying to decide what we're going to cover on maybe Friday. Maybe a little bit of uh, first half preview. review, second half look ahead with maybe some maybe some trade, trade deadline. Because at that point, we'll be about trade two and a half tutorial. weeks out from, yeah. the, from the trade deadline, might, might which is uh, was sneaking up on us uh, in a hurry. Okay. Um, yeah, that's probably it. I got more, but 
<laughs> uh, you've had enough of me. I want one thing I want to note because I looked this up. I was watching Granky in the middle game of the Royal Series uh, have a bad start and then leave with an injury. So that might be his. That yeah, might be it for I know. him. Because um, he's yeah. What, what ha- so I didn't see what he just got his shoulder or something. In the middle of the game, he kind of had a check in with the yeah. trainer on like the third inning. Or he's something a thousand like years that. old and he throws eighty six <laughs> miles an hour. Right, okay, it's like right, Maeda. Right, At right, some point, it's right. like well, yeah. But I looked it up because I was like, man, I've watched Granky face the Twins a lot, right. obviously. Yeah. So I looked. Target Field starts. He's third all time in starts by an opponent at Target Field. Target Field. Okay. The first two, he has 12. So okay. which, that's third most all time. Number one is, well, you call him Rick Porcello. His name's <laughs> okay. Rick Porcello. Okay. Uh, who's re- I don't know if he's retired, but he's out of baseball. He had 14 because he was on those Tigers teams for the okay. whole time. And then number two is Verlander, who is also on those Tigers teams, uh, with 13. And then you get to Greinke. Now, I'm of the opinion that Zach Greinke should be a Hall of Famer. It's not a slam dunk case, but, you know, he's a Cy Young winner. He's probably got a handful of all-star. You know, he's been a top 10 pitcher for most of his career. Not lately, obviously. Is he only one Cy Young one? I think. Maybe he won two. He won one with the Royals. Yeah. And maybe he won one with the Diamondbacks? I don't know. He finished, like, top three a a few times, probably. But then I looked. I thought, well, what? I don't know that I've ever seen him dominate the Twins at Target Field in the games I've been at. And I looked. 12 starts at Target Field. Uh, one in nine with a 650 ERA yeah, well, at Target Field. Yeah. It's a very strange thing to know in real time that you're looking at a Hall of Famer because he was a top, top prospect. Right, right. He was great at 22 years old. You know, you, you knew every time he took the mound for the twin against the Twins at Target Field, I'm watching a guy who's really, you know, upper echelon. And then to watch them just get knocked around pretty consistently during that time, obviously of late especially, to watch kind of a Hall of Famer go 1-9 with a 6.50 ERA in a dozen starts at Target Field, it has been kind of a weird experience because it's just like, theoretically, I shouldn't be a supporter of his Hall of Fame candidacy. Right. Because every time I watch him against the Twins, he gets the snot kicked out of him. Now, this is Target Field or is it Target Field. the Metro? Yeah. No, Target Field. I think part of my perception of Granky being a great pitcher is because he was so good at the Metro Dome. I mean, that was when he was had so many of those years with the Royals, right? Like, I thought the one time I remember them, it, it felt like, uh, when was it? The year that it was 2010. No, it was 2009. 2009 when they ended up beating the Royals in that series. And I think they beat Granky either in the second game or the third game of the final series. And they ended up tying Detroit to end up causing that right. extra postseason game. Like, I remember thinking, oh, we finally got to Granky. <laughs> now, maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe he was not nearly as dominant as I, re- as I remember in the Metrodome. But that is sort of where my perception of was he was really good up until, like, that point. And then, and then after they beat him in what that was kind of a, a critical game, not so much for the Royals, but for the Twins. Uh, he was just a little. He was just a little bit well, less, here's less the, dominant. Here's the thing, John. I can look this up. I guess Metrodome, four hundred three ERA. Yeah. At the Metrodome, that's not bad. I mean, that's not great. Five and sixteen versus the Twins' first career so at all. Two thousand four through two thousand nine, which was the thing. His overall ERA was three point seven three. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, he wasn't great immediately, but. Uh, I don't know. It's just a little weird note. Like, well, 2009 when they, uh, if if I remember, if I remember that detail correctly, that they beat him on that final weekend as one of the 
critical games they needed to tie Detroit for the division lead. Uh, that was the year he won the Cy Young. It is. It's just weird to be like there are certain guys. You know, you say who's killed the Twins at the, the Target Field? It's like you know Jose Bautista. <laughs> it's uh, Salvador Perez. Right. Um, Donaldson killed them before they got yeah, Donaldson, yeah, and, then, and killed them yeah. while he's on the team too. Uh, <laughs> uh, but and then there's certain guys where you're like Zach Greinke, amazing Hall of Famer. He would get my vote. Actually, I'll probably maybe have a vote by the time he's on the ballot. Um, just uh, terrible against the Twins at Target Field. It's a weird. This is kind of we talk a lot about like uh, being careful to thin slice sample sizes right. and then draw conclusions for him whether it's like uh you know lefty righty splits or home road you know why is pablo lopez so much better right. on the road well right. it's been 15 starts and you're trying to break it down into seven and so it's like when you start to take a guy's hall of fame career and you're breaking it down not just by opponent but like metrodome target field you know all right. this stuff and it's like you get you the thinner you slice and i think this is a good takeaway just when you're trying to analyze splits in general the thinner you slice the less meat there is to put sure. in the sandwich yeah, you know right, what i mean yeah, like right. uh that's a horrible analogy but you get the idea and it, this one i looked it up and i'm expecting to see you know he's 10 and 2 against the twins or something like that yeah. it's like oh no he's been horrendous against the twins he's so also one of those guys where i'm also i was looking back in his career i'm kind of surprised he never actually pitched for the twins he even early well, on in his career he, tried he felt like yes last off season, two that's off right. seasons ago that's right they right. pursued him right and he turned down money from the twins and some other contending teams to go to the royals. just to go back to the royals and for basically sure. finish his career with the royals which Perfect. yeah that's fine too yeah um but he was like like when Tommy finished his career with the Twins, I kind of expected. I was like, that seems about right. Yeah. Like at some point, he was just he was beloved even when he was on the opposite side, and he always killed us and such. And you're like, ah, we should. I and and, and Greinke used to talk, as I recall, early in his career, he used to talk about how like yeah, the Twins are always a good organization or something like that. It's, I saw when Detroit was in town. I was in the elevator with uh, one of their announcers, Craig Monroe. Oh, who oh. was a corner outfielder for the Tigers, yeah. uh, right-handed hitting corner outfielder. I didn't know he was like that. And he, uh, he was nice. And he killed the Twins yeah. every year. Yeah. And then they signed him to like a one-year yeah. deal near the end of his career. And I remember at the time, I think it was, I guess it was Terry Ryan who signed him, maybe Bill Smith, them saying like, well, you know, he, he really uh, likes playing here. He's just, you know, killed us for years and years. And I thought – well, he doesn't. He doesn't get to face you guys anymore, right? right? Like you know, you know that. That was the thing with Rondell White too. I remember. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, he killed us. And it's like, well, well yeah, but th that actually has less value because he's never going to face you now again. Um, that was always funny when they, at, even at the Carlos Correa press conference, the press, the, the the notion with Carlos Correa wasn't that he kills the Twins. It was right. that he really loves hitting at Target Field, and that played a part in his initial signing two springs ago right. and i believe that i mean i believe he might have said to scott boris what are the ballparks i really have thrived in because you know if i'm going to sign a one-year deal which he did with the right. twins i'd like to be at a place that i you know i like the hitters background i've had success there you know the power alleys are good for my swing and all that right. but and it's like well, okay target field yeah right-handed power hitter you know sure. whatever they should fit there but i want to be i wanted to be i didn't say this because i didn't want the wrath of uh of scott boris but i wanted to be like 
Yeah, is that is that Target Field or is that <laughs> twins facing pitching. the Twins right. pitching yeah, right. as yeah, a member right. of the yeah, right. Astros who regularly put up ten spots at Target right. Field or twenty yeah. spots That's for right. that matter? Whole Astros hit right. uh, well yeah. at Target Field. So did most of the American League, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, Craig Monroe. I mean, yeah, just go down the. We're suddenly a hitters yeah. park. <laughs> I, always, I always thought that was interesting. Speaking of the park, uh, just yeah. with a we got the Baltimore series coming up here. One of the. I was listening to most of those games with the Baltimore announcers, and one of the things they were talking about a lot with the games yeah. in, in Baltimore is, you know, they moved those fences back. Oh my God! In left they. field, they right shot them back like and, fifty and, yards. And the announcers were ch- were chuckling a little bit about how you know, Twins still haven't figured out you can't hit it out well, to left field anymore. They haven't figured that out in general <laughs> for five years. But but the interesting thing about that is, uh, Target Field plays exactly the opposite as Camden in that way, right? right? That right field is going to be real hard to hit out at, at target field. It traditionally is very difficult to hit it out to, to right field, whereas it's very easy to hit it out to left field. So I'll be interested to see yeah, those how, those general, three games, how those three games match these right. three games in terms of what happens on long fly balls. And, uh, and you know, do the... <laughs> do the um, Orioles pitchers who you know probably feel pretty comfortable with fly balls to left field feel a lot less comfortable maybe pitching True. inside to right-handers. Yeah. And one of the other narratives that came out of that is that the Twins basically did not throw fastballs to the Orioles for three days. I mean, right? the Twins <laughs> don't throw fastballs in general. Well, that, really, that, a lot of them, a lot of them don't. Uh, right, but even yeah, you know, like, uh, you know Bailey Ober threw almost no, threw like five fastballs to the entire Orioles lineup, something like that. Sonny Gray also threw very few fastballs. To, I mean, Sonny Gray doesn't throw a lot of fastballs to begin with, right? But and when he did, he got hurt <laughs> on one of the fastballs. I don't know it's just getting kind of interesting to see how the the back and forth goes on that, especially given the different ballparks effects. Yeah, they, I mean, in general, target field has played pretty neutral. Uh, right. It's better for right-handed power hitters than left-handed power right. hitters, but it's been a neutral-ish and sometimes even shading to pitcher-friendly sure. over the years. Yep. I think now it's maybe slightly hitter-friendly. Hitter it's yeah, become. I think so, too. But like what Baltimore did, and we saw it at Comerica did the opposite, <laughs> right. which is they Comerica was like impossible. Comerica National Park. Yeah, I mean, to center <laughs> and left center, right, it was yeah. like impossible. So they just moved the bullpen in like 25 feet, and it's kind of neutralized it a little bit. But the Orioles did the opposite, which is Camden – when it it's called what's it called now the ballpark at Camden Yards or okay. Camden Yards, yeah. when it first opened in the mid nineties, it was like the first of the new ballparks, yeah. and it was a launching pad. Right. But part of that perception of that, people don't actually look at splits; they're just looking at how many home runs are getting hit, right. which is not how you calculate a park factor. Right. They had like all those teams with uh, Rafael Palmero, and I mean they hit sure. a billion homers, and they were playing in the East. With the Red Sox and the Yankees, who also hit a billion it was homers, also the steroid era, right? That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, right, yeah, right, Fifty yeah, homers yeah, were exactly, commonplace, right, right. and so then in the last like ten years, it became somewhat of a neutral-ish ballpark, and maybe slight yeah. hitters' ballpark. But people kept talking about it. Like if you watch a broadcast against the the Orioles, the visiting team will obviously say like, "Hey, welcome to Camden Yards." Right. You know, this is a launching pad, and you would look and you'd be like, "Well, not really." But now they've taken it so far in the other direction yeah. that there's a on um, baseball savant, on any kind of distance fly ball, there's a it'll immediately register how many parks how many parks yes. that would have been a homer if hit the same you know trajectory basically mm-hmm. how many parks out of the thirty would that have been a homer and it's very common I would say most home runs are not 
an all 30 right. home run. I mean, right. very rarely. A lot of them you'll see like 25. It would have been a home run 25 out of 30. Right. I mean, Fenway screws up a lot of that. Sure, because it doesn't get high enough to go over the wall. On the right. other side, like Yankee Stadium yes. creates some one out of 30 right. situations yes. and all right. that. But but it's fascinating. There are so many where it's like 29 out of 30, and the one is it's now Camden because they just field. pushed the, right. the left field fence back yeah. 50 right. feet or yeah. whatever. It's incredible. Like, yeah. it, it really... I don't mind that. It's part of what I like about baseball is the fact that it's not just a standardized yeah. field. Yep. I mean, obviously, that doesn't work in any other sport. Right. Like, right. Yeah. you can't right. imagine a, right. a hockey rink where, like, yeah. you know, it's just twice as long right. or whatever, yes. or a yeah, yeah, yeah. football field is 75 yards or whatever. But I mean, hockey rinks do come in, like, Olympic-sized versus professional well, size. Well, sure, but like that, right. and, it's a little different. You know, there's yes. there's slow ice and there's fast right. ice, yes, but right. I'm trying to imagine, like, an NBA court where it's like, hey, actually, our three-point line's uh, 18 feet, <laughs> or our three-point line's 30 yeah. feet, yeah. and that would be yeah. fascinating Yes, the way it is in baseball, but it does make sort of apples and oranges yeah. stat comparisons tricky or to your point see how many fly balls the Orioles are willingly giving up to left center right and see what happens to those fly balls yeah. compared to, to compared to Baltimore although as you said earlier the twins ain't hitting left-handed pitching anyway so well, that's true, that's true. yeah I don't uh, know. we have are we facing a bunch of lefties so? yeah, uh okay thank you to stamps.com the game time app betterhelp.com soda stick dot co, <laughs> co, co dot com and raycon <laughs> by right. raycon yes um we will be back monday for the patreon subscribers of which you should be one why not yep patreon.com slash gleam and we'll have a recap of any news and notes from the baltimore series this weekend and wednesday mailbag of the sign, draft sign up on two sign up on monday or tuesday for the patreon so you can participate in the mailbag call on tuesday for sure and then we'll be back on friday to uh, preview the second half of the 2023 World Champion Minnesota Twins season. That's John Cardi. <laughs> <laughs>